Welcome to another episode of the M121 podcast. Today we continue in our summer sermon series with a message from Pastor Gary Hall on the subject of temptation. Uh, Temptation is certainly common to all mankind, and in this message he gives us some uh, insight into a story and some lessons that we can learn on how to escape temptation when it comes our way. Pray you'll be blessed by this message, and thank you for listening. Last night, a brother came through the line, and he had a haircut very similar to mine, and uh, he told me, he said, I sure like the way that you cut your hair. And uh, I met him later after the service was over and told him something that actually happened to me. I was about to uh, go in for a funeral one day, and it was an extremely large crowd. The building was packed. There were people standing around at the back, and uh, we were standing at the door getting ready to come down, and they were closing the casket and so on. And a brother that was standing against the wall back there just to... Uh, right close to me, he looked over and he told me, he says, uh, he had a haircut just like mine too, and uh, he said, I sure like your haircut. I said, well, thank you. And uh, he said, uh, you may be like me. He says, I used to use head and shoulders, but now I use mop and glue. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 39, we read of a story of a man by the name of Joseph. And I think Joseph teaches us one of the greatest lessons on the subject of temptation that we will ever find in the Bible. How do you handle, how do you face temptation? Maybe you're never tempted, but I certainly am, and I suspect you are as well from time to time. Some people say, well, I'll just let it go its course, work its course, and see what happens. That's a dangerous, dangerous philosophy to have in life. And Joseph was not that way. I think Joseph was prepared for temptation, and as a result of it, was greatly blessed of the Lord. Now, this chapter begins with him being sold into slavery and then being purchased by Potiphar. But most of you know that because of the jealousy of his brothers that he was sold to the Midianites, By the way, Genesis chapter 39, uh, verse 1 tells us that he was brought down and uh, sold to Potiphar by the Ishmaelites. Now, which one was it? Genesis 37 tells us it was the Midianites. Here it tells us that it was the Ishmaelites. Which one was it? The answer is yes, (laughs) because the Midianites... Were and the Ishmaelites here were one and the same. They were Midianites by geography because that was the land that they lived in, but they were Ishmaelites by descendant, that was descendancy, and that's who uh, their father was. And so there's no conflict here in the Word of God. But now put yourself in the uh, place of this young boy. Most commentators that I have read say when they trace out his um, life, that probably he was a teenager at the time that this took place. So this is a relatively young man uh, living in the time that most people are sowing their wild oats. When he comes down to Egypt, no doubt had a terrific amount of adjustments to make to go from a spoiled, pampered son of his father, because he was his father's favorite, to a servant or to a slave. In addition to that, he's got all the adjustments to make 
of uh, a new culture that he's coming into. But Potiphar must have seen something in this boy that seemed special because Potiphar bought him, brought him home, and at a very short time made him the highest servant in his household. And verse 2 tells us why he made him that. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. How could the Bible say he was prosperous man when probably all in the world that he had when he came down to Egypt or was brought down to Egypt, the probably the clothes that he had on his back. But the Bible says he was a prosperous man. Uh, Strong's Concordance, the dictionary in it, uh, says that this word prosperous means to cause to be profitable. He had within his being, within himself, to make those who were around about him to be profitable. Now, we notice that is the case because in verse 3 it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he had to prosper in his hands. Joseph was a lot like old Jacob when he went down to Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban recognized that he was blessed for Joseph's sake. In other words, because of Joseph. And Potiphar realized also that he was prospering because the Lord was with Joseph. Now I want you to notice in verse 3 something I think is significant. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. He didn't have to tell the master that the Lord was with him. The master saw that the Lord was with him. Now I don't criticize anybody that wears a pen that says I'm a Christian. But I hope that folks can see it. Uh, in your life long before you have to tell them with a pen on your lapel. Uh, and that's the way Joseph was. His master saw it. Uh, and Joseph found grace in his sight, that is in Potiphar's sight. And he served him and became the overseer of his house. Now I want you to notice very quickly just a few of the characteristics of this young boy. He had prominence and he had position. Because Joseph put him over his, excuse me, uh, Potiphar put Joseph over his house. Nobody could get to Potiphar without going through Joseph. Joseph was so like a chief of staff. He, he probably, the heads of state came through him. He probably knew the heads of state of all different places. And in fact, the Bible tells us here that Potiphar didn't even know what was all in his household. It says uh, in verse 6, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all that he had, save the bread which he did eat. Now, the Egyptians never ate with Israelites. They always ate separately, and that's the reason he says that. Everything else was in Joseph's hand. In fact, the only thing Potiphar needed to know was what time to come to supper. <laughs> Everything else was taken care of by Joseph. Uh, he had a position. He had prominence in this uh, man's household. He had power. He, had the, he was given authority to transact businesses in Potiphar's behalf, so he had power as well. He had popularity. There's no doubt that the household saw that God blessed him so, and so they were being blessed through him. In other words, Joseph was their meal ticket. They were to take care of him. They liked Joseph. There's no question about that. In addition to that, Joseph was a very nice looking young man. The Bible says Joseph was a goodly person. There's very few people in the Bible that that is said about. It's said about Moses. And here it's said about Joseph. And the word literally means beautiful. 
Now, I hope nobody ever says I'm a beautiful man, but anyway, uh, Joseph is described as being a beautiful man. And so he had just about everything that most young boys would desire. But Joseph had something else. Joseph had character. Joseph had a commitment to his God. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'd, be, I'd rather be the worst looking person in this building and have a closeness of God and a power of God in my life than to be the best looking person in this building and not have God with him and the power of God and our character and our walk. Now, let's notice uh, his temptation. Verse 7, And it came to pass after those days that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. It was more than just looking at him. She'd been giving him the eye. It says, and she said, lie with me. First thing about this temptation was it was sudden. Now some temptations come slowly to us and we allow them to build up. But here was one that came suddenly to Joseph. He didn't have time to prepare for it. It just came suddenly. And you can imagine maybe a 17-year-old boy, I, I don't know for sure that's how old he was, but I, I think there's a consensus of opinion that he was probably about that age. You can imagine how it probably struck his ego that the boss's wife would give uh, have eyes for me. No doubt it affected him a little bit. He says, I'm just a slave here, and yet she wants me. Notice also that it wasn't just a one-time thing. Look at verse 10. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. Just because you can resist the devil one time doesn't mean he's not going to come back again. He will come back again, and he will come back again, and he will come back again. He is persistent. I heard about a person one time, and a friend of theirs, he was just a very positive person, and he just never would say anything bad about anybody. And one of the just horrible fellows in the neighborhood died. And he said, I reckon you could have something good to say about him. And he remembers something that he'd done that indicated he was a good man. And he says, I believe you could say something good about the devil. He said, yep, I can. He's always on the job. I wish you were. <laughs> you know, the devil is always on the job. He, sometimes when you think you've got him licked, here he comes. He's persistent. And this thing was sustained with Joseph. It was secret. I suspect Joseph could have thought, I can get away with this. After all, he could have thought that at least. After all, he knew that if she told anybody, it would mean death for her. She would probably put to, be put to death because Potiphar was a very powerful man. And so she's not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody. There'd be little chance that I would get caught. But you know, the true test of character is not what other folks see in us. It's what we are when we're all by ourselves. What you think about at night when you're, before you go to sleep, uh, that's your character. What you fantasize about when you're riding down the road, that's what your character is. That's what our character is. It's not what we appear to be to somebody else. And that was the case here with Joseph. One other thing that I want to say about it is that it was something that Joseph could have rationalized in his mind. You know, every sin that Satan tempts us with, if you try hard enough, you can rationalize it. 
You could defend doing it. We rationalize so many things in our life. Heard about a man one time, he was on a diet, and he was doing well on his diet. His weakness was Krispy Kreme donuts. And he was riding down the road one day, and he knew the Krispy Kreme shop was on his way. He was going to see it before long. And he said, you know, I've been mighty good on my diet. And he, he says, I, I'm just, I feel like I kind of deserve something here today. But he says, I want to do the Lord's will. So, Lord, if there's an open space right in front of the donut shop, he says, I know it's your will, and I'm going to stop. Sure enough, he pulled, went by that place. And there was an open space. Only took three circles around the block. <laughs> Coming back before he found that empty space in front of the uh, donut shop. We can justify uh, just about anything if we try hard enough. This was not something that Joseph prompted in his mind. But it was something that Satan was trying to use. And Satan knows what our weak points are. He knows every one of us well enough to know how to attack us. Now, very quickly... Let's notice the response of Joseph because it's such a good an example, I think, for all of us to try to follow in this word. Joseph had a powerful temptation. There's no doubt about that. But he said no. How was he able to say no? I think Joseph, before this ever took place, had a commitment to his God that he's going to follow God. He's going to obey him. He's going to do his very best to, to do what God would have him to do in this life. He was kind of like Daniel. You know, when Daniel wound up in Babylon, was carried there, the Bible tells us that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself before God. Uh, and if you want to be successful in facing temptation, you need to make a commitment to God every morning when you get up. When you leave your house, uh, God, by your grace and by your strength, I'm going to be committed to walk in your way this day. God, help us every day that we live uh, and uh, to be this way. And it takes something. It takes a walk with the Lord. It takes being in the Word of God and learning what God would have us to do. I want to share with you a verse that just made me shout when I saw this one day. Over in the Songs of Solomon chapter 7, it begins with this phrase, How beautiful are thy feet with shoes. You ever thought about the number of times that men were in the presence of God and they were told to take their shoes off? You remember when Joshua, when that uh, angel of the Lord, a captain of the Lord's host appeared unto him and he told him to take off his shoes. And then there was a time when Moses stood before that burning bush and God spoke out of that bush and told him the ground that you're standing on is holy ground and told him to take off his shoes in the presence of God. But here he tells us, but I want you to notice the wording of it, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes. Now, I don't think that's talking about their shoes, that a floor shine shoe is uh, more uh, attractive than some other shoe. That's not what he's talking about. I think probably it is talking about that uh, armor that the child of God is told to put on. Uh, and he says we're to be shod with the preparation of the gospel. Every morning when we go out, we need to have our feet shod uh, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it takes some time. We have to spend some time in the word. We have to walk with the Lord so that our feet can be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Uh, you know, when you get in the middle of a temptation, that's no time to start trying to come up with a plan. That's not time to do it. I love what a father told his daughter one time, and uh, he was trying to tell, us, he's tell her that there's going to be some boys out there that's going to try to take advantage of you uh, when you're uh, going through this dating process. And he suggested to her, he says, I know you've got a little pocket Bible. And he says, take that thing with you everywhere you go. Keep it in your pocketbook or whatever. And if that boy starts to get fresh, just lay that book right down, that Bible right down between you and him and see if he can climb over, climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good tactic, isn't it? That's a pretty good plan to have. That is that we know the Word of God and we are committed to it. We have a conviction in our heart that we're going to walk as close to the Lord as we can. Joseph also had a loyalty to his master. Look at verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me. In other words, he doesn't even know what I have and what's in his house. He's committed all that he has after my hand and there is none greater in his house than I neither have he kept back anything from me by thee because thou art his wife now listen to this how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God he had a greater loyalty to his master than some of us have to the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and did for us what we could not do for ourselves we ought to be so loyal to Jesus Christ that nothing could jerk us away from him oh God help us to have that kind of loyalty to our savior to be loyal to him. Now, I pastored my home church for a little over 35 years, I think it was, and we ordained in my lifetime there, we ordained only one minister. And he's a very good pastor and a very good preacher, and I love him uh, as a son almost. But he's got one flaw. He went to Georgia Tech and he pulls for Georgia Tech. We have a divided ministry at my home church. I went to Georgia, I pulled for Georgia. Now, Joseph didn't have a divided loyalty. He was loyal to his master, but he was loyal to his ultimate master, God in heaven. Now, you may have to be loyal to your boss. Uh, you may have to be loyal to your husband and wife, and we certainly need to be that. But most of all, we're to be loyal to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because of what he has done for us. I want you to notice also, that Joseph built a hedge. If you will notice in verse 10 and 11, it says that it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house and he saw that there were no men there with her. He always made sure that he was not left alone with her. He always made sure that there were some men that was in the household so that nothing, that there might not even arise a controversy about how faithful he was to his master. Appearances do matter. Somebody says appearances don't matter. Appearances do matter. Well, let me tell you, if there's somebody at work male or female, it's the opposite sex of you, and they're showing you a little more interest than maybe an average worker would do, 
You need to put a distance between you and them. You need to put up a hedge between you and them. You need not to be left alone with a person like that. Joseph tried to make sure that there was always somebody that was there with him at all times. I don't know what you might think about Billy Graham. I have the utmost respect for Billy Graham's morality. He and I disagree, obviously, on a lot of doctrinal matters as far as the Bible is concerned, but he is a man to be respected because of his morality. Billy Graham would never allow himself to be left alone with a woman anywhere. One time, this, I read this, this actually happened. It came from his own pen. Billy Graham uh, went up after a meal, an evening meal, late evening meal, with his uh, with some of the men that was in his group, and uh, they got off the elevator, and uh, the men went into their room, and he couldn't find his room, and the men told him, said, we couldn't get you one on the same floor, it's one floor up. So he left them, went, into the, uh, went to the elevator, and when the elevator stopped, it was coming up and going up, but when it stopped and the doors opened, there was a woman in that elevator. And he stepped back and he says, no, thank you, ma'am. Let her go on up and waited till he got one that was right by himself to go up. That man taught me something about life right there. That man taught me something about hedges. And Joseph can teach us something about hedges. If you want to resist temptation, put up some hedges around your life that you will not, uh, might ought to just change the route so it doesn't go by that crispy, crispy cream donut place. That might be wise to do. Remain sensitive to sin. We live in a world today, television is trying to desensitize people to sin. Movies desensitize us to sin and the consequences of sin. They make it look like that you can have an affair after affair after affair and just go on living just as happy as anybody can possibly live in this world. It just is not true. Don't allow the things of this world, the pressures of this world to lower your standards. Joseph knew to be sensitive to sin. And Joseph knew that there were sometimes it was best just to flee. You know, Paul tells Timothy, does he not? Flee temptations. One preacher said one time, probably one of the best things that you can have to resist and avoid sin in this life is a good fast pair of shoes. Just get out of there. Uh, when a thought comes to your mind, start thinking about something else. Paul tells us to think if there's anything good, if there's anything lovely, think on something else. Get those thoughts out of your mind. Be sensitive to the fact and the consequences of sin. I will close very quickly. Somebody says, well, Look where it got Joseph. He wound up in prison as a result of that. Yeah, but I want you to notice something here in verse 21. And this is a phrase. I would encourage you to go through the life of Joseph sometime and just look for this phrase with him. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph wound up in prison, but you know what happened down there? He became the keeper of the prison. The warden, the keeper of the prison, didn't have to do anything. 
He made Joseph. Uh, Joseph was not only the head inmate, but Joseph was the warden of the prison. If you've got to be in prison, that's a pretty good way to be in prison, isn't it? <laughs> if you're the keeper of the prison, uh, you see, the Bible idea of prosperity is not so much money as it is character. Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because uh, the Bible tells us in, uh, in the last verse of this chapter that the keeper of the prison looked not to anything thing that was under his hand because the Lord was with him that is with Joseph and that which he did the Lord made to prosper he was a prosperous man because he was a man of character he was strong in the Lord he resisted the temptations that Satan would place before him and he grew in the grace and knowledge of the truth somebody says yeah but he was still in prison yeah but John Newton knew this prisons could palaces prove if Jesus Christ is there. I will close with this. When the Lord is with us, when you can feel his peace, when you can feel his power. Let me ask you this. Let me preface it with this. You ever laid on your bed at night, tossed and tumbled because of something you'd done you shouldn't have done? Maybe something you said you shouldn't have said? I have, and I expect you have too. But if you ever had the peace of God about something that you'd done, you stood strong for, or maybe you helped somebody out, had that peace of God with you, and you slept that night somewhere between the sheets in heaven, that's a wonderful feeling. And when we're walking close to the Lord and we're resisting the devil with all of our uh, power and ability, the Lord will be with us and he'll grant us peace, even in the dark circumstances of life.